this is my final episode talking about all the crime that I was exposed to as a child, so... I do remember being five years old and I remember the crime that I saw the most was murder. For example, I saw many people getting poisoned. Um, Poisoning is the harmful effect that occurs when too much of a poison or substance that is harmful to the body has been taken. Poisons can be swallowed, inhaled, injected, or absorbed through the skin, and I saw all four. Poisoning is not to be confused with envenomation which is a process by which venom is injected by the bite or sting of a venomous animal, which I saw many times. As a child, I witnessed acute poisoning. Acute poisoning is exposure to a poison on one occasion or during a short period of time. Symptoms develop in close relation to the degree of exposure. Absorption of a poison is necessary for systemic poisoning that is in the blood throughout the body. In contrast, substances that destroy tissue but do not absorb, such as lye, L-Y-E, are classified as corrosives rather than poisons. Furthermore, many common household medications are not labeled skull and crossbones, even although they can cause severe illness or even death. You're learning more of what I witnessed growing up. In the medical sense, toxicity and poisoning can be caused by less dangerous substances than those legally classified as a poison. Toxicology is the study and practice of the symptoms, mechanisms, diagnosis, and treatment of poisoning. Um, I witnessed all those things growing up for real. Um, This tended to happen within drug crews ran by drug bosses. So the poisoning, acute poisoning was, and the reasons were done for it, let's say um, the consignment fell through, like you didn't pay the dealers like you didn't pay the other dealers on time or you reneged on some money or some drug dealers were jealous that they were making more money on the streets selling drugs than other dealers this would happen the most among rival crews, rival drug crews. And so some I remember drug some drug lords were poisoning other drug lords and some drug members of drug crews who were drug dealers were poisoning other drug dealers who were members of other drug crews. Then chronic poison. Chronic poisoning is long-term, repeated, or continuous exposure to a poison where symptoms do not occur immediately or after each exposure. The patient gradually becomes ill or becomes ill after a long latent period. Chronic poison must commonly occur following exposure to poisons that bioaccumulate or are biomagnified, such as mercury, gadolinium, and lead. So, 
I saw that sometimes. Um, and it was often the poison was often ingested into the person um, similar to how they did so during the days of royal kings you know like a taste tester that and they would use alcohol to poison people it's it's basically like date rape without the rape I'm just poisoning um so the poisoning I saw a lot I did witness um mass stabbings growing up a mass stabbing is a single incident in which multiple victims are harmed or killed or knife-enabled crime. In such attacks, sharp objects are thrust at the victim, piercing through the skin and harming the victim. I saw these things growing up. Examples of sharp instruments used in mass stabbings may include kitchen knives, which I saw, utility knives I saw, sheath knives I saw, scissors I saw, katanas I saw, hammers I saw, screwdrivers I saw, Ice picks, I saw. Bayonets, I saw. Axes, I saw. Machetes, I saw. Glass bottles, I saw. Knife crime poses security threats to many countries around the world. So, yes. I saw those things. I, I saw... Um, I witnessed proxy murder growing up. A proxy murder is a murder that's committed indirectly, most likely by one person ordering another person or through the use of a third party. A common example of a proxy murder would be a person contracting a hitman or a hired killer. Hitmen commit the act of murder on a specific target or targets and may receive payment in exchange for the murder or murders committed. This is what is known as contract killing. Hitmen are most often associated with organized crime, mafias, and street gangs. I witnessed that. I knew criminals who got away with misdemeanor murder. Misdemeanor murder is a term used to describe a situation in which a person is suspected of murder. There's not enough evidence to convict a suspect of murder in court. The suspect, is in, the suspect is then either released without charge or the suspect receives a sentence that is similar to a sentence given to a person charged with a misdemeanor. It's not an official term. It's not an offense defined by the criminal code of the United States or any state thereof. Um... It's just like, um, those are the other things I remember. I knew criminals who did murder for body parts. Murder for body parts, also known as medicine murder, not to be confused with medical murder, which I also saw too. First, to the killing of a human being or to excise body parts to use as medicine or purposes in witchcraft. Medicine murder is viewed as the obtaining of an item or items from a corpse to be used in traditional medicine. Its practice occurs primarily in sub-equatorial Africa. 
illegal organ trade, which I saw has led to the murder for body parts because of worldwide demand of organs for transplant organ donors. For example, criminal organizations have engaged in kidnapping and killing people for the purpose of harvesting their organs for illegal organ trade. The extent is unknown to non-fatal organ theft removals of more widely report is more widely reported than murder. Um I I just had to report that. Um As I remember witnessing consensual homicide. Consensual homicide refers to a case where one person kills another with the consent of the person being killed. And um trying to see if there's anything else. Um Internet wasn't very big back in ninety-eight from what I remember, but there was a few instances of internet homicide that I do remember. Internet homicide refers to killing in which victim and perpetrator met online in some cases having on each other previously only through the internet. Also, internet killer is an appellation found in media reports for a person who broadcasts the crime of murder online or who murders a victim met through the internet. I even witnessed an internet suicide pact. Um, yeah. Did I, I've seen suicide packs a handful of times. Suicide pack is an agreed plan between two or more individuals to die by suicide. The plan may be to die together, which they did, or separately in some cases. I saw that too, and closely time, I saw that as well. sex industry um I remember witnessing them meaning sex workers Sometimes they had um, 
within the brothels. They installed security cameras in the brothels after a while because, you know, the sometimes people would rob the brothels. And sometimes I remember there were violence at the brothels. You know, physically abusive men. So they had to develop, sometimes they had metal detectors and uh, security cameras at the brothels. So, and the brothels were all armed after that, meaning, I dare say in the brothels, mass stabbings were the most common at the brothels. Knife crimes were the most common at the brothels. The mass stabbings were um, now the sex workers did the most less murder. Less murder they would do the most less murder. Because sometimes there'd be physically abusive guys who are clients. Handful of pimps were mostly customers. And this is what less murder means. Less murder also called sexual homicide. It's a homicide which occurs in tandem with either an overt sexual assault or sexual symbolic behavior. Less murder associated with the paraphilic term erotophonophilia which is sexual arousal or, se- or gratification intention on the death of a human being. The term lust killing stems from the original work of Richard Von Kraft Ebbing in his ni- 1898 discussion of sadistic homicides. Common type of crime is manifested either by murder during sexual activity or by mutilating the sexual organs or areas of the victim's body or by murder and mutilation. Um, the mutilation of the victim may include evisceration, displacement of sexual organs, or both. The mutilation usually takes place post-mortem. Although the killing sequence may include an act of sexual intercourse, sexual, inter- sexual intercourse does not always occur, and other types of sexual acts may be part of the homicide. There was insertion of objects into bodily orifices, cannibalism, necrophilia, cannibalistic lust, posing and propping of the body in different positions, generally sexual ones, removing clothing, removing clothing from the body, insertion of objects into bodily orifices. I remember, yeah, sex workers did the most lust murder. I can dare say the sex workers did the most vehicle ramming attacks, self-explanatory, and the sex workers did, um, the most vehicular homicide, meaning physically abusive clients, physically abusive pimps, and even physically abusive police officers, they would just steal cars or use their cars and kill kill them with it. I remember that happening the most. Um... And the sex workers did the most torture murder. Torture murder is a murder where death was preceded by the torture of the victim in many legal jurisdictions. A murder involving exceptional brutality or cruelty will attract a harsher sentence if the killing is not sanctioned by authorities or carried out by state security forces themselves. So, the sex workers did the most torture murders when it came to physically abusive and sexually abusive clients, pimps, and the police. In certain cases, I've seen some sex workers lynching physically abusive, sexually abusive clients, pimps, and police officers. And, um... They would do the most mass shootings of them. Um, When it came to murder-suicide, 
I knew at least three sex workers who shot the assailants dead and shot themselves dead. Murder-suicide was the most common sex work world. Um, from what I remember, it was the most common. That was three I actually saw, but I heard more of it happening the most in that world. Um, lastly, um, Angel of Mercy. An Angel of Mercy or Angel of Death is a type of criminal offender, often a type of serial killer who is usually employed as a medical practitioner or caregiver intentionally harms or kills people under their care. I knew sex workers who were also Angel of Mercy. The Angel of Mercy is often a position of power and may decide the victim would be better off if they no longer suffer from whatever severe illness is plaguing them. This person is using their knowledge to kill the victim. In some cases, time goes on, this behavior escalates to encompass the healthy and the easily treated. So I knew some sex workers who were mercy killers believes the victims are suffering beyond help, though this belief may be delusional. I knew sex workers who were sadistic, used their position as a way of exerting power and control over helpless victims. I knew sex workers who were malignant heroes, a pattern wherein a subject endangers the victim's life in some way and then proceeds to quote-unquote save them, some feign attempting recitation, all the while knowing their victim is already dead and beyond help, both to be seen as selfishly making an effort. Yeah. So, I just wanted to mention those were the very last things I saw in that kind of world. So, they did the most... Sex workers did the most mass murders. They were the biggest thrill killings, spree killers, serial killers. Yeah. They did the most human sacrifices and the most honor killings. And um, lastly, and I mean it this time, they did the most depraved heart murders. Depraved heart murders, known as depraved indifference murders, a type of murder where individual acts with depraved indifference to human life and and where such acts result in a death despite the individual not explicitly intending to kill. In the brave heart murder, defendants commit an act even though they know their act runs and they're usually high risk of causing death or serious bodily harm to a person. If the risk of death or bodily harm is great enough, ignoring it demonstrates a depraved indifference to human life and the resulting death is considered to have been committed with malice after or aforethought. Some states, depraved heart killings constitute second-degree murder, while in others, the act would be charged with wanton murder varying degrees of manslaughter, third-degree murder, and I saw all the above. If no death results, such an act would generally constitute reckless endangerment, sometimes on this culpable negligence, possible other crimes such as assault. So I witnessed um, voluntary mass voluntary manslaughter, assisted suicide, involuntary manslaughter, constructive manslaughter, um, vehicular and intoxicated manslaughter, and culpable homicide. That's what I witnessed the most. So, to close the episode, um, so, for voluntary manslaughter, the offender had intent to kill or seriously harm, but acted in the moment under circumstances that could cause a reasonable person to become emotionally or mentally disturbed. There are mitigating circumstances that reduce culpability, such as when a defendant kills only with an intent with an intent to cause seriously bodily harm. Voluntary manslaughter in some jurisdictions is a lesser included offensive murder. 
The traditional mitigating factors, provocation, however, others have been added in various jurisdictions. The most common type of voluntary manslaughter occurs when a defendant is provoked to commit homicide. This sometimes describes a crime of passion, which sex workers committed that most. In most cases, the provocation must induce rage or anger in the defendant, although some cases have held that fight, terror, desperation will suffice. I witnessed crime of passions with sex workers the most, meaning a crime of passion, crime passionnel, and popular usage refers to a violent crime, especially homicide, in which the perpetrator commits to act against someone because of sudden strong impulse, such as anger or jealousy, rather than as a premeditated crime. You know, the heat of passion. happen all the time let's say a sex worker had a favorite customer but their favorite customer was going to other sex workers finding them in a different brothel together and some sex and that's how the killing would happen I remember that um Constructive manslaughter is also referred to as unlawful manslaughter. It's based on the doctrine of constructive malice, whereby the malicious intent inherent in the commission of a crime is considered to apply to the consequences of that crime. It occurs when someone kills without intent in the course of committing an unlawful act. The malice involved in the crime is transferred to the killing, resulting in a change of manslaughter. So I witnessed constructive manslaughter growing up. I witnessed involuntary manslaughter, which is the killing of a human being without intent of doing so, either expressed or implied. It is distinguished from voluntary manslaughter by the absence of intention. It is normally divided into two categories, constructive manslaughter and criminal negligent manslaughter, both of which involve criminal liability. So I saw that growing up. Um, Sometimes a sex worker would be defending themselves, and they accidentally killed the person that was physically fighting them, they physically fought back. Or they pulled out a weapon and accidentally shot, accidentally stabbed, or tried to push the person off of them and cut them so bad they died. Um, the constructive manslaughter, for example, Okay, I have my fists. I punch you a few times just to get you off of me. But that punch was enough to kill that person. And that's what happened with a couple of sex workers when it came to the male misogynists and even female misogynists that came their way. Um, I remember witnessing intoxication of vehicular manslaughter, meaning drunk and high and driving recklessly and that's how some people were killed. Um, That happened when it came to the crack houses. People in the crack houses did the vehicular intoxicated manslaughters the most. And when it came to um, criminal negligence, I would say... um, They did the negligent homicides the most. Negligent homicide is a criminal charge brought against a person who the criminal negligence allows another person to die. The crack houses did that for the most part.
quiet because I want to tell you how I felt when I witnessed such things. Um, and I can be honest, as a child, I felt suffering. I felt agony, anguish, hurt, sadness, depression, despair, gloom, glumness, unhappiness, grief. Sorrow, woe, misery, melancholy, disappointment, dismay, displeasure, shame, guilt, regret, remorse, neglect, alienation, defeatism, or dejection, embarrassment, homesickness, humiliation, insecurity, insults, isolation, loneliness, rejection, sympathy, pity, mono-aware sympathy, Horror, alarm, shock, fear, fright, horror, terror, panic, hysteria, mortification, dread, distress, worry, more fear, apprehension, uneasiness, suspense, anxiety, nervousness, more horror, and again, more fear. Because I was not allowed to feel cheerfulness, amusement, bliss, gaiety, glee, jolliness, joviality, joy, delight, enjoyment, gladness, happiness, jubilation, elation. Satisfaction, ecstasy, euphoria, exhilaration, thrill, excitement, zeal, enthusiasm, zest, pleasure, contentment, triumph, pride, hope, eagerness, optimism, rapture, enthrallment, relief, longing, sentimentality, compassion, tenderness, caring, liking, fondness, adoration, and affection, and love. I was not allowed to feel all the emotions I normally felt. So, what made me feel because I was not allowed to feel my bubbly personality type of emotions I normally felt that's when I noticed that I felt um, I was forced to show irritability aggravation Agitation, annoyance, being grouchy, grumpy, cross-patch, exasperation, and frustration. Because I was not allowed to be my child Christian self at the time. I had to survive all the time. Dodge bullets sometimes. Run Run away and duck into the matrix from being shot at sometimes. And the adult supremacy, the racism, and the ableism and queerphobia of that time, um, as well as the misogyny and misandry, also made me made me forced to feel torment, torture, jealousy, envy, loathing, contempt, revulsion, disgust, resentment, dislike, vengefulness, spite, scorn, hatred, bitterness, ferocity, hostility, wrath, fury, outrage, anger, and rage. I was a victim of the lust and sexual desires and the infatuation and passion, desires, and so-called needs of some of a handful of sex workers who raped me at that time. 
the streets end up killing them because they found out what they did to me. So, um, what did I learn? Like, what is a therapeutic takeaway from all these stories I've told? Um, here's where, um, the Bible comes in handy. Um, my favorite verse since childhood has been, um, Psalm chapter 103, verse 6. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed, for all the oppressed. Because as a child, I believe that God forgave the sins of organized crime, that God healed the disease of organized crime, that God redeemed me from the death of organized crime that God crowned me with love and compassion in spite of organized crime that God satisfied my needs and desires in the midst of organized crime and that God gave me righteousness and justice throughout the duration of organized crime as a child subconsciously believing these things was how I overcame. I was counting my blessings as my grandma Claire instructed me to even while organized crime was afoot. So I was I found ways to praise God throughout that time. Scripture helped this verse that I've read helped me to never give up on family because it's very easy for me to do so because many people organize crime um, pretended to be my family but, but I said to myself in that time God will give me a chosen God will give me a family of my dreams that's how I would describe chosen family. I didn't know chosen family was a word until Clubhouse in 2021 when I signed up for it. So for me, um, I just said family, my dreams. So this verse helped me out. It says, whoever brings ruin on their family will inherit only when and the fool will be servant to the wise. As a child, I believe that one of the greatest resources God gave us is the family. As a child, I believe that families provide acceptance, encouragement, guidance, and counsel. As a child, I believe that bringing trouble on your family, whether through anger or through an exaggerated desire for independence, is foolish because you cut yourself off from all they provide. As a child, I believe that in your family, strive for healing, communication, and understanding. So reading, I read the book of Proverbs while I was in the organized crime world whenever I was alone. 
And as a child, um, another verse that helped me to overcome was Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. As a child, this is what I subconsciously asked. Have you ever tried to argue and whisper? As a child, I believed it was equally hard to argue with someone who insists on answering gently. As a child, I believed that on the other hand, a rising voice and harsh words almost always triggered an angry, an angry, angry response. As a child, I believed that to turn away wrath and seek peace, choose gentle words. As a child, another prob- another verse that helped me to heal was Proverbs chapter 15, verse 28. The heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. As a child, I believed that the righteous weigh their answers. The wicked don't wait to speak because they don't care about the effects of their words. As a child, I believe that it is important to have something to say, but it is equally important to weigh it, to weigh it first. As a child, I subconsciously ask this question. Do you carefully plan your words or do you pour out your thoughts without concern for their impact? As a child, what helped me to heal was another verse. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 2. The tongue of the wise adorns knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. Um... Another verse that helped me to heal was When I was reading the book of Proverbs and it says a corrupt witness mocks at justice and the mouth of the wicked gulps down evil. And then um, what I learned, another verse that helped me was Proverbs chapter 17, verse 12. Better to meet a bear robbed of her cubs than a fool bent on folly. I remember reading Proverbs chapter 15, verse 27. The greedy bring ruin to their households, but the one who hates bribes will live. I remember...
reading Proverbs chapter 14, verse 7. Stay away from a fool, for you will not find knowledge on their lips. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. Help me to heal. Walk with the wise and become wise. For, for a companion of fools suffers harm. The old, as a child, I believe the old saying, a rotten apple spoils the barrels often applied to friendships with good reason. As a child, I believe that our friends and associates affect us sometimes profoundly. As a child, I believe that we should be careful who we choose as our closest friends. As a child, I believe that we spend time with people we want to be like because ourselves and our friends will surely grow to resemble one another. As a child, reading Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. As a child, I believe that if you don't want to learn, years of schooling will teach you very little. As a child, I believe that if, but if you want to be taught, there is no end to what you can learn. As a child, I believe that this includes being willing to accept discipline and correction and to learn from the wisdom of others. As a child, I believe that a person who refuses constructive criticism has a problem with pride. Such a person is unlikely to learn very much. As a child, I believed in um, the healing power of Proverbs chapter 11, verse 5. The righteousness of the blameless makes their paths straight, but the wicked are brought down by their own wickedness. Then verse 6, the righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the unfaithful are trapped by evil desires. Then verse 17, those who are kind benefit themselves, but the cruel bring ruin on themselves. Verse 19. Truly the righteous attain life, but whoever pursues evil finds death. A, then verse 18. A wicked person earns deceptive wages, but the one who sows righteousness reaps a sure reward. Um, when the wicked prosper, the city rejoices. When the, wicked, when the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. When the wicked perish, there are shouts of joy. That's verse 10. Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, it is destroyed. So reading those verses helped me heal. So reading Bible verses was my therapy at that time and even after I overcame. The last proverb I remember reading growing up that helped me heal around that time was Proverbs chapter 17, verse 13. Evil will never leave the house of one who pays back evil for good.
episode. Here's how I protect child me. Child me maintains his attraction to to Jesus. Um, None of what happened in the crime world killed his cheerfulness to Jesus. His exhilaration of Jesus. His excitement about Jesus. His elation about Jesus. His enthusiasm about Jesus. His enjoyment of Jesus. Gladness about Jesus. And his jubilation of Jesus. In fact, what or what I did organize crime was I allowed it to enhance my discipleship concerning Jesus. So now you have a full understanding of, as the old folks say, how I got over. My soul looks back and wonder how I made it over. I was, that's one of the gospel songs I was singing to myself quietly and out loud. In the midst of demonic criminality.